Father, may we have the faith that Habakkuk has or had to realize that no matter what we face in this life, Lord, you are this, our strength, you are our joy, the source of our, all our joy and, and strength, and that we can have confidence and faith in whatever things we face in this world because you loved us, you sent your son to die for us, and you have prepared a place for us. Father, we thank you and praise you for your love for us, for your provision for us, for the way you sustain us, for the way you protect us and provide for us. Um, may we be encouraged through your word today as Neil continues to bring your message to us. May we hear with open hearts and an obedient mind, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Let's stand and rejoice together this morning as we begin singing Blessed Assurance. and turned, kept tugging at his ear, just to make sure it still was there. While priests on duty talked about a curtain coming to, and how much it would cost to be repaired. It was an early Sunday morning.
washed his hands time and time again. Soon everyone would hear that behind the massive stone a miracle had happened that would rock the visitor with us, uh, Brother Ronnie Hopkins from Nicaragua. He's here. Come on up, Brother Ronnie. Let's thank God for Brother Ronnie and what he's doing. We've been able to go and serve with him in Nicaragua. He is making a tremendous impact in the lives of people who, frankly, are going through very difficult times, difficult situations in that country with corruption in government and leadership as well. That's all I'll say about that. Brother Ronnie, you come and share what God is doing in Nicaragua. Thank you, Pastor Neil. It's a joy to be here. I bring you greetings from the people of Nicaragua. Many of you who come and serve there uh, know some of the people there. We're uh, beginning our uh, next five years. And I just wanted to share this morning some of the things that you've been a part of that we've been able to, with God's help and God's work, uh, to complete this last five years, we're able to build seven schools this, this, this year. I mean, this last five years. And Glenn, and Glenn Locke was, had, a, had a part in building one, or did build one, and uh, was down in a Mayagna community, the indigenous, very poor, the old thatch roofs. Um, most of the kids are barefooted. They'd never got to go to school, but because of you, about 40 kids now are being educated. This is their second year. They'll be uh, be graduating, or not graduating, but finishing this school year ends uh, the 1st of December. So thank you, Glenlock, for being a part of helping to educate kids that are forgotten, that live so far out in the remote areas that nobody seems to care. Uh, God has uh, been faithful, and that's what I want to share with you this morning, how faithful God is in providing the things we need. I've had vacation Bible schools to raise funds and build schools. We've had uh, foundations. We've had school teachers over in Cedartown who raised money, got the whole middle school involved, and they built a school. I've just seen miracles happen because when we started five years ago, and it's amazing because some of the men here in your church was with us, especially Terry Harper. I will never forget Terry. Uh, 
I took them down. We, we had no facility. We slept in an old abandoned building. We um, used a, 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 old, a piece of an outhouse. We took our bath in the river. But it, it rained in the morning. It rained at lunch. It rained in the evening. And Terry slid, sometimes face forward, down some of those banks. He lost his shoes, had to come back without one of his shoes. And, you know, and it was, I had six people that traveled to see the vision. God gives us dreams. What is your dream this morning? What is your vision? We all should have a dream and a vision and say, God, take me and use me uh, to do your work. But anyway, uh, and when I took them to the airport, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'll never see none of these folks again. <laughs> but you came back, and that's because you've seen the need and you love the Lord. And... Uh, so anyway, we were able to do five water projects, and we got one now under construction, but when I would ask the kids afterwards, I'd say, what's different since you have a water project? The first thing they would tell me is, we don't get sick anymore. We don't have the uh, stomach problems we used to have, the parasites that we used to have. My mom can wash our clothes at home. She don't have to carry them on her head in a bucket to the river. And we, get to, we can get our bath now at home. We don't have to go down to the river. So um, what a blessing clean water is. We forget in the United States that we're only about 20% that get in the world that gets to live like we do. Most of the world lives way, way below. Out in the country, you can work all day if anybody needs a job. Using a machete, $3 a day is what they make. Around the city, it's $5 a day, around the capital city. And if you're a school teacher, you can make $200 a month. Isn't that great? So um, you see how below they have to live and how they have to stretch everything they make. But um, the other thing we've been able to do is we actually have three computer programs on the river. Can you imagine? We have no electricity, but we're teaching the kids because we're dreaming big dreams. We're telling these kids, you can go to college, you can change your life, you can go to the university. And uh, so we have three computer programs teaching them using solar system, uh, had uh, laptops donated. If you ever have any extra laptops, it don't matter how old they are, uh, we, we only need the basic anyway. Um, Health education, the other thing that's happened on the river is training brigadistas, we, we call them that, they're health promoters. And, and they, uh, they are able to take care of a lot of the medical needs. In Nicaragua, they can actually administer uh, shots, they can do uh, antibiotics and all of that. And when you're in a remote area, you need all the help you can get. Uh, we did a lot of, we have medical teams. Since we have the clinic, we're able to build a clinic slash training center. And that's provided a lot of training. It's our training area. You know, the Great Commission is to go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, and disciple. And then we forget there's another part there. Teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And what a joy when we're able to teach and train. I've got uh, uh, ten leadership classes. Five years ago, we had one. Now it's grew to 10 leadership classes. We've trained over 600 college and high school age kids to be leaders. And we have three um, young people that's finished missionary school. One is dreaming of Nepal. He, his heart is set on going to Nepal. Can you imagine how you figure out to get to Nepal when you can, don't have even the funds to get to the capital city? But these kids believe God is going to intervene and he's going to make a way. And most of our mission organization tell us uh, uh, South and, and Central America is going to be the greatest, and they're already number two compared to the U.S., sending uh, uh, missionaries all over the world. They can get into the Muslim worlds where we can't, to the Muslim countries. My wife works a lot in Somoto. You've been active in Somoto. They've been able to drill wells there. We have one well that's drilled. We're able to redo a clinic. They've started an agricultural program. I could just go on and on and on. There's so many wonderful things that's happened these last five years. And now we're, we're, we're planning. We're going to continue building schools. We're going to continue doing water projects. And we're going to really emphasize now on evangelism and uh, uh, discipleship. 
Anybody that's coming to Nicaragua, I'm going to be asking them, plan on training young people. We'll get them together. We've got a lot of them. We have over 30-something young people on scholarships and one from this church. The one from this church, this young man speaks three languages already. Two indigenous, he has Spanish, Mayagna, and Mosquito. And now he's studying English. Very bright young man. Never had even rode in a vehicle until we brought him one time to the capital city in our vehicle. Uh, but now he's getting educated and we're claiming him for the Lord. He's not a Christian yet, but we're after him. Everybody that comes, we share our testimony, we share the gospel with him. And uh, some of the folks here, I just want to share Israel. Many of you know Israel. He's kind of our, I guess, our redneck child. There it always works with a team, but we've always believed in him. He's on fire for the Lord now. Um, back in June, we had him in, um, uh, he was on a team with Pastor Carlos. We had a, a middle school there training. They trained 180 teachers. Isn't that wonderful? And I mean, these teachers, they've done it twice. And they come back and they say, all over the country, they asked us to come because we know new new ways of teaching math. We know new ways of, of teaching Spanish. You know, they've taught them all these new techniques of teaching. And, uh, but anyway, Pastor Carlos was upstairs in, in, uh, in the room, and he come down that morning. He said, well, Israel started his devotion at 4 o'clock, and he, he uh, reads out loud, so I've done had my hour of devotion. He said he prayed for 30 minutes and read for 30 minutes. And that's not like Israel. That would be the last thing, that boy. But when Jesus gets alive, it's amazing what he can do. I'm going to hush, but uh, I hope you're dreaming dreams and, and having visions of things you want to see happen here at Glenlock in your community, in your family, your neighbors. Let's all begin to develop our, our skills and say, God, take us and use us. I'm going to close with just a three-minute little short video of some of the pictures. Um, I had one of the young people that sent it to me a couple of days ago, and uh, I don't know if, if Billy's here or not, <clears throat> but y'all probably didn't know that he was... Uh, uh, you know, rode race horses and things like that, but you will see in this video that uh, he's pretty famous in Nicaragua for horseback riding.
doesn't that kind of make you think you need to go do more? That we're not doing enough? It does me. And I couldn't help but think our national fellowship of Christian athlete theme for the year is the Great Commission, but they broke it down to go big, go bold, go big, and go beyond. And as he was talking, I was just thinking, gosh, like, he's a prime example of that and what he's doing in, in Nicaragua. And how cool is it that the same king they're worshiping and making music to is the same king we're worshiping here. Our God's a big God. Will you stand with me as we sing, You Are My King? Father, Lord, thank you so much, God, for just um, sending Brother Ronnie as a as a witness of God, how you're working all over the world, God, and Lord, as such a powerful reminder that whether we're in a third world country, a different state, a different city, or or right here in our jobs and in our community and in our schools, God, Lord, you've called us for such a big and powerful mission, God, that you just need us to go go bold in all of our actions and and go beyond the expectations of man and, and always
always strive to live up to your expectations, God. Because when we do that, Lord, we're going to build your kingdom, Lord, so that one day everybody can see that you are our king, God. And that's only because, Lord, you were forsaken for our sins and you paid that price for us, God. So, Lord, this morning I pray that we find encouragement in that. And I pray that we find sweet assurance, Lord, and um, just the blessing it is to call you our Lord and King. We open our hearts right now and clear our conscience for your word and speak through Pastor Neil, please, God, and be with our children as they go to children's church as well, Lord. We just love you and praise you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Catherine. As our children leave for children's worship, rest of us, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. As I've processed what's happened so far in our worship service this morning, Benji's comments on Habakkuk were so good. <laughs> I loved it so much, I thought about Benji just giving you 1 Peter 4 and talk about that as well. That was, that was very helpful to know. To be reminded, as Habakkuk was, that evil is a very real and present power in, in our world and, and in our lives, and we need to determine in advance how we are going to respond to it. So for Habakkuk, it was a, it was a great wake-up call that, that he used as an opportunity to, to turn his faith and his trust to God. And then you combine what Benji introduced and then what Brother Ronnie shared. I think Brother Ronnie shared with us the practical application to what Habakkuk Address to the situation, well, what do we do in light of evil and suffering and difficulty? Well, we do the types of things that Pastor Ronnie is leading in Nicaragua. We do those things here. We do those things in our personal lives. So you've already heard kind of the introduction and application to the message this morning. So let's turn to 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, and I'll hope to explain a little bit more about what Peter teaches about how we should respond to difficulty and suffering. He's going to call them the, the fiery trials that we face in life. Peter talks a good deal about suffering. He talks a good deal about difficulty and, and God's purposes for those because the Christians that he's writing to are experiencing this themselves. So how are they to respond? And throughout this letter, we've periodically come back and forth and so there are no oversimplistic answers. There's no magic formula. What, what the Bible really does is the Bible introduces us to a heavenly father whom we can trust, who loves us, and who has instructed us how he is using suffering and difficulty in our lives. And simply put, we need to walk with him and trust him through the storms and difficulties of life. So let's turn to 1 Peter 4 verse 12. And I'm this morning going to just give us a framework for understanding the fiery trials and, and some of the ways, not all, because I don't think there's any one person or passage that can explain everything we would like to know about evil and suffering and difficulty in the world. There is no, no passage. And in, in, in heaven to come, we, we will find out then uh, what, what God what God truly intended for us to, to know about evil and suffering in, in our time. So 1 Peter 4.12, listen to what Peter says. He says, Beloved, or some of your versions there have dear friends. So right off the bat, one of the things we can learn from this is that we are loved by God, and throughout life and difficulty, He places us within a family. So as I face difficulty in life, Number one, I am loved. And number two, I'm not alone. So our time this morning has already demonstrated that, that we are, as, as I like to say often quoting an old song, we're, we're in this thing together, okay? We are in this together, and that's what Peter wants them to know. He had experienced it personally, and he knows that they are experiencing as they are dispersed about in, 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 in this geographical location. So do not be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. 
But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Well, that takes great faith, doesn't it? It takes trust in God that in the midst of suffering, for the sake of Christ, that you can keep on rejoicing. So that, he says, also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled or insulted, so they were mainly facing verbal, verbal abuse. Uh, probably not wide-scale physical or, uh, suffering at this point based on the context, but it would come to that. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. Troublesome meddler, a manipulator, a controller, or just simply annoying, okay? As I studied that phrase this week, don't be annoying. <laughs> now this, this makes sense because when pressure is on and you're going through a fiery ordeal... Let's think through this because these sound like really great contrasts between our different responses. You know, don't kill anybody, okay? He says that. You're suffering. Don't murder someone. Don't steal from people. Don't become an evildoer yourself. He said earlier, don't reply insult for insult or evil for evil, but give a blessing instead. And don't become annoying. So that's helpful, what not to do. And I know those seem like extreme camps, murderer or annoying. Peter says, don't do any of that. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed. But in that name, let him glorify God. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us... If it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Then quoting again from the Old Testament, and Peter quotes so much from the Old Testament, he knew his Bible well. He says, if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? And here's our practical application, and this is what Brother Ronnie just taught us to do. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. We need to be busy doing what is right. We need to be busy doing in our particular family, in our particular location, wherever God calls us to go, and we need to be busy doing what is right in the face of the context that we find ourselves in every day. Father, thank you for this instruction. Give us the grace to understand it and empower us with your spirit to put this into practice. For without you, Father, we can't, without your spirit, we can't understand it and, and we certainly can't put it into practice. So we need you and we need your grace and we're grateful for the salvation that Christ has given us. Forgiveness, past, present, and future that has set us free from earning our salvation or the performance treadmill. God, you've set us free so that we can truly serve with joy, with a clear conscience, with freedom, with love, with abandon, and that we can personally dream big dreams of how we can make a difference in a world that every day evil is real and present, but Father, transcending all of that is you and your amazing love and how you work good in the most difficult of circumstances. Help us to trust that and trust you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, real brief here. I'm going to give you five ways that God can use your fiery trial so that you may understand more about Him and how He works so that as you go through that fiery trial, instead of becoming bitter and hostile and annoying, as Peter said, Instead, we can rejoice and trust God and continue to do good. So what is God up to when we go through fiery ordeals? 
Again, we're not going to cover all that. I'm calling this some of the things that he does. Now, number one, he does this often in our lives to reveal our condition, to show us where we are, to show us who we are. He says, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's among you because it has come to you not without a purpose. It has come to you with a purpose, and that is to test you. So when you go through a fiery ordeal, repeat this that I used to hear watching the television as a child. This is a test. It is only a test. <laughs> the emergency broadcast system. Like, what is going on? Oh, this is a test. <laughs> to make sure that everything's working properly so that in an emergency you would hear the message you need to hear. When we go through fiery ordeals, God has to continue to remind me of who I am, of how far I am short of His glory, and of what my whole life in, 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 in intent and purpose is designed to be. I am here to know Him to worship Him and to glorify Him. I am a desperate sinner with evil and wickedness in my own life. I am in need of His grace. I am in need of His church. I am in need of His word. I am in great need of all that God provides. And I forget that. When things go well for me and I have smooth sailing, I forget who I am. But testing comes to us to show us where we are and who we are in light of who God is, so that God can continue to do number two, which is your trials come to you not only to reveal your condition, but to transform your character. So first, God has to be up, up front with me and, and reintroduce me to myself. And one of the ways He does that is by allowing me to go through difficulty and circumstances that often hurt and are painful. I think it was Swindoll said that hurt and pain... It, 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 it introduces you to yourself and it will plant the flag of reality in the fortress of a rebel heart. So it introduces me to reality and then God transforms my character through that process. What does Peter say? God is using this to allow you to share in the sufferings of Christ. You are participating in some spiritual, and, and obviously it's difficult for us to wrap our minds totally around it, but you are following the same pattern and course that Jesus followed in his suffering. And so the Bible tells us that the Son of God learned obedience. He demonstrated greater and greater obedience through the things that he suffered. In other words, his suffering... And his death on Calvary was the culmination of what God was doing in Christ. And so you and I following that role are being transformed into his image. That's God's plan and purpose for my life. God's purpose for my life is to become like Christ. And God loves me so much that he is never going to be satisfied until I become like Jesus. Well, guess what it takes to become like Jesus? It takes calling out of your life a whole lot of what you were and bringing into your life a whole lot of who He is. And the only way that God will do that and, and has chosen to do that is through difficulty and suffering. Where are you going to get humility? Where are you going to get compassion? Where are you going to get understanding and holiness and joy? He is our shepherd. We are His sheep. He is the potter. We are the clay. C.S. Lewis says, we are a divine work of art, something God is making, and he will not be satisfied until we have a certain character. And that is the character of Christ, and that is only formed and transformed in us through suffering. It is his way, and it is the way God in our lives gives us the humility the perseverance, the love, the peace, the patience. And here's the good news. Once you see God developing that in you, then you have a genuine stamp that you belong to Him. And that's how you can rejoice. Ah, this trial proves that I'm really His, that He really is my Father. 
And he loves me as I am, but he loves me so much he can't keep me as I am. And he's going to work on me. So therefore, I know that I can rejoice now because of the joy that's coming when Christ returns and I'm finally complete. Peter says that. When you face suffering now, keep on rejoicing. Well, he implies that we already are, isn't he? You're part of the program. He's your father. So that when he comes in glory and you're finally finished and like him, then your joy can be transcended with exultation. To transform your character, to reveal your condition. Number three, to increase your joy. Man, I've already been preaching this one. You said you're ahead of yourself. He says, keep on rejoicing so that you may rejoice with exultation. At first, our trials and discipline do not seem joyful. But we've got to trust that God is bringing this to a deeper and lasting eternal joy which far outweighs anything else that we will face. So the child of God tells himself, I'm going through a fiery trial now and I'm going to rejoice in that because of the joy that's going to happen at the end. So how believers respond now to suffering is an indication of whether or not they truly belong to God at all. So here's the test. Where is your joy? And how are you responding to suffering? If you are rejoicing, then rejoice even greater because the joy that is coming is going to transcend it all. One of my favorite quotes comes from Frederick Douglass. I'm going to have to flip to the flyleaf of my Bible and hope and pray that I find it real quick. Because he makes a tremendous quote of, of what he learned in, in slavery. And, and he says this. Frederick Douglass expressed his faith through slavery by saying something like this. The excessive misery of suffering while in slavery will only enhance my happiness when I am ultimately set free. And he applied that not only to his earthly freedom but to his heavenly freedom. Do you realize that God is producing for us through our suffering a joy that, out, that exceeds it all? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. God, why is this happening? He says, I know you don't fully understand now, but what I'm doing is actually going to increase your joy in the end. Therefore, transport that to now and rejoice in that now. Number three, to increase our joy. Then number four, to bless us with his favor. To bless us with his favor. If you are suffering a fiery ordeal, guess what? You have God's full attention. His gaze and his favor is fully on you. In Isaiah 66, 1 and 2, To this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at my word. God giving you his attention and his favor. His presence, Psalm 34, he is near to the brokenhearted. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, he says. Why? Simply put, because he's with us. Now, it seems that what Peter is saying is that the same spirit that rested on Jesus during his suffering and his trial and his affliction rests upon you during your suffering and your trial and your affliction. The same Spirit rests upon you that rests upon Jesus. So when you go through difficulty, if you seek Him, you will find Him. His presence and His favor and His gaze and His blessing is especially upon you during your most difficult times. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, we should fear no evil. Why? Amen, because he's with us. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, the times when I have truly begun to sense his presence and his favor the most are the times in my life when I look back and I was going through my most difficult situations and circumstances. I look back and that's when I became truly aware of his presence and his favor and his blessing in my life. And it's difficult to feel that and know that in the fire. But there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right there. And not only were they in the fire, not only had God appointed that for them, but who was there with them? 
in the end, they realized that there was one like the Son of God. Jesus himself was walking through the fire with them. Thought about Brother Ronnie here and trips to Nicaragua that I had taken. Don't know the language. Don't know the terrain. Faced with a few difficult circumstances, some of them laughable, which I've shared with you before. And sometimes the danger is very real. But in all those times, you know what I drew great comfort from? Ronnie is with me, <laughs> all right? And not only is Ronnie with me, but Ronnie has surrounded himself with a great team of young leaders who are with me as well. So this is what I would say to myself in Nicaragua. I know that Ronnie has gone before me, and he is a trustworthy guy. Not only has he already done and set up all this and been through this before me, he is with me now. And not only is he with me now, but he is going to be with me till I get on the plane and I go back home. You know the comfort of having someone with you who's gone through it. And not only have they gone through it, they're going to go through it with you. And not only have they gone, are they willing to go, they are willing to go with you through the end. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Who are we talking about? The Spirit of the living God who rested upon Jesus. He rests upon you now. He blesses you with His favor. The real difficulty is for those who don't suffer as Christians, but they suffer for some other reason. See, suffering is not optional. It's just the type of suffering and the purpose of suffering and who you are suffering for. And that's why he says in 17 and 18, judgment is going to begin with God's people. And if it begins with us, and it, if it is with difficulty that God saved Neil Aubrey, in other words, if Christ had to come and die, if Jesus had to come and pass the test on my behalf, if Jesus had to come and pass the test when he was examined, when he was tested in the wilderness, or rather tempted in the wilderness, we'll go a step further. God uses your circumstances to test you. Satan uses circumstances to tempt you, to destroy you. But here's my point. Jesus passed every test. He did absolutely perfect on every exam. He fulfilled righteousness that the law demanded, that test, and he passed it fully. And, and, and that came at great cost, great sacrifice, perfect submission. And Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God. It was that was a difficult task, and God did it for you and me. And if that's what he did for the church, then Peter's saying, what is going to happen to the non-believer? They are going to bear the wrath of God totally on their own, which is a completely different level of suffering. So you see what he's, he's basically put before us two roads. Suffering for the sake of Christ or suffering for the sake of your own sin, meeting the wrath of God on your own. Peter's working this out logically, and he says, okay. He says, how are you going to respond? He says, okay, this is the last point I want to make. Number five, let's roll up number five. To teach us to live for his glory. We wouldn't learn this on our own. We're all glory thieves, and we want what really only belongs to God for ourselves. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we pursue a lot of the things we do the way that we do, is we want a bit of the glory that belongs to God to come to us. So God has to humble me and remind me that I'm not God. In fact, I'm way far short of God. And he has to show me that so that I'll glory not in me, and what I'm doing and what I'm accomplishing, but instead glory in Him. He says, in the name of Christ, as you suffer, glorify God. Well, how do we do that? How do we live for His glory? Well, He outlines it for us. You suffer according to His will. This is beautiful, okay? Entrust your soul to a faithful Creator. Let's think about this. If I live for His glory, first I have to entrust my soul to the fact that He is faithful and He is sovereign over the universe. He's going to keep all His promises. And I know this because He kept the promise to send Christ and die on my behalf. Not only do I entrust my soul to the faithful Creator, our Heavenly Father, God Himself, but I continue to do what is right. That's in verse 19. 
I trust my soul to God, and then I get busy doing what is right. We ask again, as we did two or three weeks ago, what's the next right thing? You're going through the fiery trial. What is the next right thing that God calls you to do? Ronnie mentioned several ideas of the next thing for you and I to be doing. Peter last week, and we walked through this, said, this is what you ought to be doing. He said this in verse 10 and 11 before the passage I just read. You need to keep praying. You need to keep loving other people. You need to keep welcoming them into your lives. You need to keep serving and use your spiritual gifts for other people. You need to keep speaking the truth of God. Why? So that God would be glorified through Christ to whom belongs all glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he goes into the fiery trial message. So you go back to doing what the Bible has always called us to do. Simply put, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. I'll close with this quote, which comes from Miss Teresa's grandson, Josh. I don't think Josh is here today, is he? Billy, ba- Billy Vaughn wasn't here either, uh, Brother Ronnie. You mentioned Billy. Billy's not able to, to be here. We need to pray for Billy. He's going through his own fiery trial of, of, of health issues, and we need to lift our brother up in prayer. But I know you looked around for him. If he were here, he'd be right there. <laughs> he would be very difficult to miss. Uh, but we love Billy and we're grateful for, for him. What was I saying? Wednesday night, Teresa's grandson Josh was sharing a lot of the fiery ordeals that he's gone through. He was getting very personal and very emotional with us. And he had read a book by an author that I'm familiar with named Louis Giglio. And Louis Giglio had made a statement that really made a difference in Josh's life. And Josh, at the conclusion of our Wednesday night study, shared this with us. And I said, Josh, will you text me that quote? Because I love where it landed, okay? And and then I'm going to close with this. So what do we do? I mean, there's been another... There's been another shooting in in Texas. There's been a a shooting in Ohio. We see evil inside and out. How shall we now live? There are a lot of options that we have before us. And Josh was dealing with stuff personally without factoring in the, the global, so to speak, context and situation but but he read this quote get to the quote preacher <laughs> i know what you're thinking it still doesn't stop me sometimes that does it <laughs> this is what i tell myself every day and let me say you better be telling yourself the right stuff every day if you do not you will fall deceptive to the lies that of the enemy So this is what I tell myself every day. God is working in my life. I just have to be patient and obedient. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish. Don't be naive. But don't despair either. With God, you'll get through this. With God, you'll get through this. How do we know this is true? Peter keeps telling us that Jesus entrusted himself to his heavenly Father as he faced evil and abuse and insult. And on the other side was resurrection glory. And if this is the course that you're on as well, then this is what you tell yourself every day in order to persevere, in order to make it through, you preach the gospel to yourself every day and then put it into action may God be with us and give us strength Father thank you for this text thank you for this whole service and how Father we were introduced by Habakkuk with with news that made him physically tremble in fact you can tell that he was he was almost physically sick because he knew what was coming But he looked through that, Lord, and continued to trust in your faithfulness, in your goodness, in the fact that you are a sovereign, holy creator, and that you can't look upon evil with favor, ever. And we know you're just. And we know our time is short. 
So help us, Father, to, complete, to place complete trust in you, that we would simply trust you and do good, that we would love others and serve others and welcome others and be salt and light and not be tempted to turn to evil ourselves. Thank you for this text and how it instructs us. Peter lived this personally. You told him, I've prayed for you. Satan's demanded to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, and you will return and strengthen your brothers. Father, thank you that you held Peter tight, and that he came and wrote in a way that strengthens us even today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, It is well with my soul. You come as we sing. said our ushers will sing the invitation but that I don't know that we would want that <laughs> I can rest assured to y'all you would not want the six of us seated <laughs> let us pray our kind and merciful heavenly father we just thank you for this day we just thank the message that you sent to us through Neil, Father. Just keep our minds and our hearts open. Let us study your word each and every day and just learn more about how we should serve 
our brothers and how we should just uh, bring a message to each and every person that we meet in this world. You just never know what we might say at that particular time that will just change their heart and they may need to, somebody to witness to and we just want to be open for them. As we come to this part of our service, we just ask that you open our hearts as we give back to you a portion of what you have blessed us with. And Father, we just love you so very much. Just ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. 